Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're previewing the final preseason game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor, and Saskatchewan Rough Rider senior journalist Rob Vanstone join us on the podcast. It is the last time Derek Taylor will join us for Bomber training camp updates because after this, it's just going to be regular season updates. And uh, the training camp updates brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Derek, we have to start with the news of the day. Uh, Kenny Lawler placed on the suspended list with the team saying in a statement at 3 o'clock that uh, it's in regards to his 2021 off-field incident, which we know is a drunk driving arrest. Uh, they said they'll provide a further update when the situation resolves, which they expect to be three to four weeks from now. No one outside the the team knew this was coming, right? Uh, no, I, I hadn't heard anything about this. Um, there, there may have been indications in practice that some, that they knew something like this was coming. Uh, who who knows? But yeah, no, this is the first because we we kind of thought, hey, uh, he was what arrested in October. He served a one game suspension. He kind of did a. A media mea culpa, and we just figured it was it was behind us, but apparently not so much. And we're not going to really be able to know more about it, probably till it's done, right? I don't, I don't expect the team to really comment on it. Do you? No, I, I really don't. I mean, the one chance we'll have to talk to head coach Michael Shea will be the post game tomorrow. But I mean, this is uh, whoever's the driver of it. I feel like it might be O'Shea. He very much respects privacy. Yeah. So I. I really don't expect that we'll hear anything officially until, you know, on the other side of it. And then if Kenny chooses to explain or the, the bombers choose to have Kenny explain, however, that'll work three to four weeks down the road. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to know what this was. Like I, I started asking some, some folks, my friends of mine involved in law enforcement, like, does somebody go to jail for this? I'm like, no, no, not for a, not for a first drunk driving offense. So just, unfamiliarity with the legal system like what could this possibly be and necessitate three to four weeks time and we just have no i just have absolutely no idea but they're uh yeah the kenny will take care of his end hopefully the bombers take care of their end and and then uh, he'll be back when everything is settled i guess and so what this creates now is an opportunity for somebody down not not tomorrow because he was not going to play tomorrow and most of the regulars aren't playing tomorrow, but we'll, and we'll get to tomorrow in a moment, but this is the story of the day. Uh, if it is three to four weeks that he is out, that means probably, well, two to three games that he's going to miss. Who do you see as being the player that's going to be able to step in and start in place of Kenny Lawler? So what we saw at practice, the, the Bombers got to practice on Tuesday, and what was noticeable was, oh, they had Carlton Agadosi switch positions. On the first day of camp, they had switched him from that wide receiver to uh, a slot back on the other side of the field, the same switch they made with Rasheed Bailey. And then Tuesday in practice, he went, oh, wait a minute, he's back at his old wide receiver spot, the one he played in that game versus Calgary in week six and then the Edmonton game in week seven, the spot that Kenny Lawler had filled in. And I didn't I, – I just noted it because what, what do you make of that? Are they just – do they know Lawler's going to sit out the game and they're just going to have Carlton play that spot because other guys are more suited for different spots? Or upon reflection now, did they know that, that Kenny was going to get suspended or going to have to be suspended and they wanted Carlton to get more practice reps in that X wide receiver spot? That was that was, it, that was was noticeable this week. And, and upon reflection, in, in a moment you're going, oh, this might just be nothing, it might be something. And upon reflection you go, oh, actually it was probably something because – 
they they knew that something like this was was going to have to be done. So tomorrow we see that Brendan O'Leary, Orange, Carlton Agadosi are in the lineup. Two players that would probably be, you know, guys that dress but don't play much for the team. I feel like tomorrow's game gets even bigger for them now. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like uh, for at least the first three games, and this is the thing that kind of presents itself for the first two, three games, whatever it is of the regular season, and then tomorrow as well, Carlton Agadosi, if he gets thrust into the starting lineup and he has a chance to show what he can do, and if he can do anything that looks like that Calgary game at home last year, that's going to be really tough to take out of the lineup. So is this the thing that, you know, revitalizes, jumpstarts the will it be Rashid Bailey, will it be Carlton Agadosi at that field side slot back position? That'll be interesting to see. It's it's predicated on Carlton blowing the doors off, which he did in one game last year. Uh, that's That becomes very interesting. Uh, I wouldn't. I would expect they go to Carlton before Brendan O'Leary Orange, though O'Leary Orange is a wide receiver and presumably could just flip from the one side of the field to the other to go to the starting lineup. But I think we've seen too much from Carlton and too much potential and, and an element that really I'm not – apart from Lawler, I'm not sure this Bombers offense has with, with the other guys, like that jump ball, go up and climb the ladder, deep fade, all that stuff in the, in the end zone area, stuff that Carlton – can do at six foot six and two hundred twenty pounds, so uh, that's uh, that's enticing. And yeah, an opportunity for Carlton, maybe an opportunity for Tavares Harrison to also get on the roster a little lower down because uh, you know there's usually a backup American or there's sometimes a backup American receiver on there as well. So it, it'll be curious. Amari Jones is a guy who can return. We'll get our first look at him tomorrow. Is there opportunities for for guys like that because of this? How much harder is it to make an impact when you don't have Zach Kolaris throwing you the ball, but instead it's Drew Brown or Tyrell Prigram or, or Josh Jones? Well, that's a, that's a real good point. And that's one of the ones where I always kind of wonder how coaches approach this. Like it, Zach is just, he's a, he's a very accurate quarterback. He's the best player in the league. He's a very accurate passer and he's able to create plays out of nothing. Unlike any other quarterback in the Canadian football league, when he's under pressure, He's sacked less than all but uh, two quarterbacks in the, in the database that I have. One of them is Travis Lule, and uh, forgive me, I forget who the other one is. But he's re- he gets out of pressure very well. So he, he creates plays that, that other quarterbacks like Drew Brown or Tyrell Pigram probably aren't able to do because it's one of the things that makes Zach special. Drew Brown, we don't know a ton about him, but... If you told me he was less accurate a passer than Kolaris, I would believe it because Kolaris is very accurate. So it makes it a little harder when the ball, instead of at your eyes, it's you know on your back hip or this or that. It's, it is going to be a, a little tougher to, to make hay, but I mean, kind of the history of what we've seen of Drew Brown, he's not bad at all. Uh, the, the Ottawa game in week one was excellent for a three-play three stint. With a reduced roster, he played the game in BC last year. A couple of pick sixes weren't weren't what he was hoping for, but uh, yeah, with, with, you know, almost, well, with a lot of the, the starting receivers, three of the starting receivers, uh, we'll get a real chance to, to see some of what uh, Drew has to offer because Saskatchewan is bringing everybody. All right. So in terms of the matchup tomorrow, are you surprised by that? I kind of am because it's the road game and it's the exact opposite of what the Bombers are doing, right? They played their, their starters, in order to give them some extra time to heal if they get nicked, the Riders are bringing their, all their starters to Winnipeg, so taking them on the road and a week before the season opens. If Anthony Lanier 
tweaks a hamstring or an oblique or something like that, he might miss some time to start the season. Uh, Trevor Harris, I guess I kind of understand because he didn't play in the first Riders preseason game. He was away for the birth of his third child. So I guess I get that. But yeah, it's I, I did not expect to see as we we're going through the roster. I went, oh, okay, Darrell Walker. Okay, Jake Winicky, Trevor Harris, all the starting all the starting offensive linemen, oh, all the starting defensive linemen, Nick Marshall, like it's everybody. So I I am surprised. Every coach has their own approach to it. I would I would be surprised if the rivalry and wanting to win in Winnipeg even factors in at all uh, for Craig Dickinson and how he decided to do this. But it it absolutely did catch me off guard to see that Saskatchewan roster all hulked up. So in terms of the Bombers roster, we've gone through it on the show. There's not a lot of players on it that are going to be uh, big name players on offense, at least uh, on defense. There's Willie Jefferson on the sheet. Jake Thomas is on the sheet. Uh, Brandon Alexander is out there. Don't expect him to play a whole lot. I I view the appearances of Jefferson and Alexander on that roster uh, in the way that we saw Alexander so much last year before he played when he was hurt. He was basically another assistant coach. He was he even had a headset for a little bit helping out Jordan Younger. Do you feel like they're there not maybe to play much, but maybe to coach? I yeah, I think perhaps coach on the field is the way to way to think about it. Coach O'Shea was asked about that and he he agreed with the premise of the question, is it about the leadership that these guys bring? Because when you think of Willie, when you think of, of Brandon, when you think of Jake Thomas, you know, those are those are your leaders in, in different ways on the field. So yeah, I guess it makes sense. There's a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, on this roster, like Jake is one of four Canadian defensive tackles in this game. So he'll have a lot, you know, he'll get a chance to to work with and help out Cameron Lawson and Colin Cornelson and uh, Travis and Schmeckel. Like there's, there's a Tanner, pardon me, Schmeckel. I'm just going to stop there. Uh, yeah, it's Tanner. Tanner. There we go. I got caught on, uh, I got caught on the, well, the old Hawks GM because he's going to the Wizards, Travis Schlink. That had me all confused. So there's a lot. There's four Canadian defensive tackles. There's what six or seven defensive ends and three American defensive tackles. There's a lot of bodies in there. So a lot of guys. There's a lot of change in that defensive backfield as well with the injuries and such. So a chance to get them all to to work together. It's the starting back six, uh, except for Darby and except for Dietrich Nichols. What we would presume would be the starting six at this point. So. Yeah, a chance to help have their leadership and, and see, you know, make sure guys are in the right place. Because Coach O'Shea said, we want guys who make plays, we want guys who play physical, and we want guys who are in the right place. And those are the things that we'll be watching for when we look back and decide who's going to be on the team come Saturday. When do cuts have to be made? I don't know the exact hour, but they have to be made on Saturday. So they'll be filed with the CFL on Saturday. We'll probably learn for most of the teams in the CFL, including the Bombers, on Sunday who's been cut and who hasn't. And then Monday is day one of their five-day work week before the home opener against Hamilton. There was a question I was supposed to ask you today because uh, I gave you homework. It was about global rules. Okay. Do you have the answer? So here's the thing. The 2019 CBA is the last one we can find. It's not super explicit, and it doesn't really jive with what we saw from some of the, the Bombers rosters last season. The rule says... You need a minimum of 21 Canadians, a maximum of 20 Americans, three quarterbacks, and one global player. That makes up your 45. If you want to add another global player, you take an American off the roster. Okay. Right? So you're okay. Okay. So last year, 
you know, you wanted to add a second one, you take an American off. So a global player has to beat out an American player. However, I say to you, Christian Amel, there was a game where Suleiman Karamoko came in. Malcolm Thompson got injured the next week. Suleiman Karamoko came in. And you look at that and went, well, that's one fewer Canadian than I would have expected from the 2019 CBA. So something has changed because the Bombers didn't run out in a legal lineup. I, I, I can't, from, from the reading of the CBA, figure out why it is. But in that case, uh, a global player came on the roster for a Canadian player. And whether that's the naturalized American rule or what it is. Uh, so you were read, referencing a 2019 player, CBA, and this goes to a point you made last night that this information is just not out there for the public to see. Exactly. Where, where you have a little bit of, hey, here's the new rule change for 2023. Here's what the rule can look like in 2024. But last year, it was seven Canadian starters plus, well, eight Canadian starters, including one nationalized American. What the available information to us, as we really go down the rabbit hole, doesn't say is, does that nationalized American player count as a Canadian for the purposes of the 45-man roster? Or is it just for the purpose of eight starters on the roster? So I presume from what the Bombers were doing on their roster last year that the nationalized American player does count as a Canadian for the purpose of the 45 man roster. This is very, this is very interesting stuff right here, but <laughs> deep in the so, weeds with Derek Taylor. Yeah. So, so yeah, basically uh, if, if they want to keep a global kicker, uh, like they want to keep Jamison Sheehan, for example, uh, as the, as the punter, and they don't want to start a global somewhere else. Perfect. They're set to go. However, if they want to keep a guy like Les Malua on the roster, well, Les is going to have to beat out an American, or they'll just take an American off the roster to keep him on the roster. So at some point, there's a point where if you already have a, a global that you want to play, like a Tiadric Hansen, your global player, that's your punter, is now essentially an American, which decreases the value of a global versus going to get an American. It's all a, it's all a rich tapestry of rules, and I honestly don't know how coaches keep it all straight in their heads. Because And then Christian... Don't, we didn't even talk about the 49% players, which are brand new, mm. and how they're going to count that, and my head will explode. We'll have time to get to that as we get closer <laughs> yeah. to the season. Uh, Derek, appreciate your time all the way through this training camp, and we'll see you in the flesh tomorrow night. That sounds great, brother. We are less than 24 hours away, 23 roughly hours away from kickoff with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the preseason finale for both. And we welcome in the Riders senior journalist, Rob Vanstone, friend of the show, as we preview the action. Rob, how does it feel to be almost through preseason finally? Yeah, I just got home from Saskatoon like two minutes ago. So uh, if you hear any heavy breathing in the background, it's my dog mobbing me as I sit here on the recliner. She's just gone nuts. So uh, it's uh, it's good. It's, I'm glad to see the, the games just starting to get... You know, increasingly important. I've never been embedded like this with a with the Rough Riders as much as I followed them for 52 years now. Uh, it's never been anything like this, and I'm just I've never been so intrigued about a preseason finale, that being tomorrow's game in Winnipeg, and then the the regular season after that. So tomorrow, the Riders are bringing to with them a lot of their starters, are they not? Yeah, you know, virtually all of them. There's a there's a couple of of exceptions. But I think what you're going to see, at least to start the game, is a pretty reasonable representation of what 
people will see July 11th, or pardon me, June 11th, when the Rough Riders are in, in Edmonton, and July, June, I can't get my month straight today, June 16th, <laughs> when, the, when the Blue Bombers uh, visit Regina. So, are you surprised by that? Um, no, I mean, there's been such a, such a change of personnel on offense, and I think they're there needs to be an opportunity to establish uh, some cohesion with Trevor Harris being not new to the CFL by any means, but new to Saskatchewan. He's got a new center and almost all new receiving core in, in, uh, in Regina and in Saskatchewan. So I think they need some time on the, on the field uh, tomorrow. There seems to be a bit of a divergence of philosophy and that I think we'll see a much uh, less experienced Bombers team than we will a Rough Riders team, but uh, I don't think there's many questions to be answered in Winnipeg. There haven't been for several years. No, and and for the Rough Riders, of course, whenever you have a new quarterback, that's the the headline of the season, right? And Trevor Harris basically swapping seats with Cody Fajardo, Montreal to Regina. What have you seen from Trevor Harris in the lead up to this game, and what's been the the feedback of his potential for this upcoming season? He's been just wowing people from day one. I go back to not long after he arrived in Regina uh, from his home in Ohio, and uh, he was walking around the facility, and he seemed to know everybody's name. And I was trying to figure out, how does he do that? Like, (laughs) uh, you know, we've got a staff list on our website, but they don't have pictures beside them, yet he was just walking around and calling everybody by name and asking them about their families. And Even before camp broke, there were all sorts of sessions with the receivers, with the offense, with the coaches. Uh, we had a, a session in the, in the Rough Rider Auditorium, not only for players who were already in town, but coaches and, and general staff. And nobody was taking notes more meticulously than Trevor Harris. It just it's such a pro from the minute he arrived. And uh, there hasn't been one thing since then that, that hasn't impressed me. What other off-season changes are you looking at as being the most impactful heading into this season? Uh, I think the changes along the offensive line, there, there's been, there's been such a focus on, on that. And I think the, the quick release of Trevor Harris has exhibited throughout his career. will, I think just naturally help along those lines, but um, no pun intended, but Peter Godber playing center, I think is, is a major ac- acquisition. Philip Blake, who started at left tackle against Toronto in the 2012, 2022 Grey cup game. He's starting at left tackle against Winnipeg again. And, uh, I'm not sure that's going to be where he ends up playing this year, but uh, uh, that's uh, where he's going to be playing on, on a Friday night in Winnipeg. So the changes along the offensive line, the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, several changes in terms of, of receivers. Uh, Jake Winicky, the league's you know, touchdown reception leader in, in 2021. Uh, Darrell Walker, an established CFLer. Uh, those are you know, two guys who are, I think, getting a lot of, lot of attention, and 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 they should. And that they're they're really the riders going to be relying heavily upon them, and we'll see how what kind of chemistry they can exhibit on the field uh, tomorrow night. We've seen some in training camp, but uh, I, I'm anxious. I think a lot of people are anxious to see how it uh, manifests itself once games begin. In your eyes, what are the are there any big battles still ongoing for spots? Uh, backup quarterback is, is really a, it's a too close to call type of competition with uh, Mason Fine, Jake Dola Gala and Shea Patterson. They've been, you know, since main cap began May 14th, it's just, it's been neck and neck and neck. 
you usually you see a couple of quarterbacks who maybe are battling, but it seems to be a three three way race here, and uh, that's just so intriguing. And uh, I I was thinking about it as I was driving, had a lot of time on the highway today to to think about it. I was weighing the pros and cons, and I'm no closer to figuring it out now than I was when I left Saskatoon three hours ago. So the coaches have more information, more film, and more expertise, but I can't that might just complicate the decision because they've probably seen things that they like that I can't even dream of discerning. So that's going to be an interesting one. And I think all three quarterbacks are going to receive pretty substantial playoff playing time tomorrow night. And so that's one of the things we're looking to to glean from tomorrow's game here in Winnipeg. The battle for the third string quarterback is also up for grabs. Uh, in terms of special teams, are, are, are things pretty set in Regina for them? Um. To a degree, I mean, Brett Lothar is going to be the, the place kicker. And, and Mary Welford, who was the league special teams player of the year uh, last year after being acquired from Montreal, he will be the returner, although he's not making the trip to uh, to Winnipeg. Uh, Kendall Watson will be the primary returner tomorrow. Uh, the question is a punter, where Adam Korsak, who was a, the third overall pick in the global draft, he was the Ray Guy Award winner last year as a top punter in NCAA football, played for Rutgers. And so he is punting uh, Kari Vedvik, who had a was a Rough Riders full-time punter last year, uh, that's been neck and neck as well, and or foot and foot. I guess if we're talking punters, but he's got a minor quad injury, so he's not making the trip. So we're going to get a good look at Adam Korsak uh, tomorrow, and and that's going to be intriguing because his I've never seen this before, but last year in college football, his net average was higher than his gross average because over the course of the season, the opponent's collective punt return yardage was minus 11. I cannot fathom that, and I'm really interested to see how that uh, translates or if that translates into the Canadian game with the different uh, different dimensions of the field. Our listeners will know that you've been on the show a number of times from the Regina Leader Post, but now with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as their senior journalist. So how has your role in covering this team changed? I think there's, uh, I mean, there's a, uh, I'm able to get a lot deeper with the stories. You know, I, there's, there's the access that I I'm afforded is is just a, a dream, and uh, and just you know having a bit more background, just being being part of the organization. There's just things that that I pick up as far as story ideas that uh, wouldn't I don't think I would have known uh, before I made the switch. So that's I I'm really digging a lot more than I I was into into storytelling and telling the players. You know, telling people about the players and what makes them tick, well, their background, their their personality, adding, you know, some some little flourishes there. Uh, my job previously involved a lot more column writing and a lot more opinion. I'm still writing columns that allows me to indulge that the goofy side of myself that I'm sure has alarmed your listeners over the years. But uh, um, uh, just the opportunity to just dive deep into some stories and really get to know the players and. Uh, that's been the the coolest part. I it's I went into training camp with so many stories I wanted to write, and it, it seemed like I had all sorts of days in which to write them. And now camp's over, and I'm thinking, oh, do I want to do that one, that one, that one, that one, that one? So uh, I guess that's next week in my life. Are you traveling with the team, or is just doing it from home? Uh, just, tomorrow, I'm just doing it uh, doing it from Shea Candy with my dog, who will be my uh, football analyst tomorrow night. And uh, then once the season begins, I'll uh, I'll be making a few road trips. I I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person in the second weekend of 
of September. Looking forward to that as, as well, for sure. Now, before I let you go, uh, our listeners also know that you're a big Jets fan. And we haven't had you on since, well, the Riders season ended. And it, there's a lot that's happened with Winnipeg from the, the playoff exit to how all the exit interviews went and that discourse. How do you feel right now as a Jets fan on June 1st? It reminds me a lot of the the 2018-19 season where they had such a great start and then petered out and and uh, you know this around mid-season this year I was so excited and and uh, you know, after the early very 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 early part of the playoffs I was excited and just right now I just I'm just not sure that there's a real uh, synthesis within that organization everything that, that Rick Bonus said after the deciding game and uh now he's going to deal with the vast majority of those players again i think next season and what everything that was said on uh, in in the exit interviews with the media um just makes me wonder if as much as i thought rick bonus was a great fit a few months ago and as much as i still think he's a terrific coach i just wonder if there's just going to be a natural uh, maybe not huge, but disconnect between the players and the coach. And I just wonder if that is sustainable, given what was what was said and what was said in response after the season. It leaves, it leaves me with a really uncomfortable feeling. That and uh, four key players with one year left in their contracts. So good luck, uh, Chevy, on that one. So, if you were, if you're to bet, who who do you think goes this offseason, and who do you, as a fan, think they should try to see if they can move? Well, I, I love Blake Wheeler as a player. He's been a great player for them. But uh, if there's some way that they can park that contract elsewhere, I mean, it was said late last year that even though that Blake Wheeler didn't have a letter on his jersey, I think he was still the de facto captain of the Winnipeg Jets. And I think as much as they wanted to infuse new and fresh voices into the into the locker room, it's still a Blake Wheeler-driven team. And not to disparage Blake Wheeler one iota. But I think if you're gonna if you're gonna start a new or regenerate some some leadership with different voices, I'm not sure you can do that with the previous captain still there. So I think that's they've got to find somewhere to to park that contract. And and Mark Shifley, I think it is, I think that has just reached its it, its time. Yes, he hit 40 plus goals for the first time in his career, but there was talk about Mark Shifley after last year, and there's some of the same whispers during. And after this season, and again with the expiring contract, I just wonder if if it is time for uh, for him as well to be uh, moved, and they can get what they can get. And and you know, Connor Halibut has said he doesn't want to be part of a rebuilding initiative. I just not sure Connor being 30 now, if, if at this stage of his career, his aspirations are compatible with where the, where the Jets are going or need to go. And I wonder if that's a situation too where you just hopefully you can cash in, especially in a year where their free agent crop isn't bountiful. Maybe you can uh, get a great haul in return there. It's going to be a fascinating offseason and a fascinating summer in the CFL. Rob, looking forward to having you on again later on in the summer. Enjoy your your time watching the game tomorrow night with your dog. I absolutely will, and uh, looking forward to some basketball tonight to go Nuggets. Yes, it's a good start for the Nuggets so far. That is Rob Vanstone with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders joining us here tonight on the show.